Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. So good to see everybody today. Amen. This is week five of our winter revival. This is our last Sunday, uh, but revival's not going to end after today. Amen. Come on. Amen. I'm so excited about it. We've been so thankful to have Pastor Tony Suarez with us during this revival. We've seen over 60 people water baptized. Amen. We've seen we've seen dozens receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know of several healings. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Amen. But tell your neighbors, say, we're not done yet. Come on, we're not done yet. Amen. Who needs a touch of God today in your life? Amen. I believe it's going to happen today. Why don't we welcome one more time Pastor Tony Suarez here with us today. Let's give him a good, warm life church welcome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you all for making it to the house of the Lord today in the rain of all things. My goodness. So thankful you made it. I have a friend of mine, pastors in Atlanta, and he posted a uh, picture of the rain falling. I guess it's raining everywhere today, allegedly. And uh, he posted a picture of the rain and said, I wonder if they're going to have to cancel the Super Bowl today. Just, no, I bet I have a hunch they're going to play it in the rain. So thank you for making it to the house of the Lord in the rain today. Amen. I have a, uh, have a guy, uh, <clears throat> I want to be careful, I was, I was going to say guy, but I want, we're in the house of the Lord. There's a, an evangelist, man traveling with me today, his name's Elliot Turner. I want to ask him to stand and uh, if you'd welcome him with us today, uh, Evangelist Elliot and his wife have moved from upstate New York, and they're working with us in Tennessee, and he's traveling full-time, and his wife is helping get the office organized, and so I'm extra, extra thankful for them, and, uh, and that's, a great, that's a great preacher of the gospel right there, and uh, we have some things in common. He, you know, I met Gina, and on the first date, I told her, I said, I'm going to marry you. And she said, you don't even know my middle name. And I said, well, you could just tell me, and we could end that issue. And, the, you know, I really, I was, I was stricken. I mean, if you ever, she's only come like once when I come to her. But if, you see, you, you, if you've seen her, you know, she's too pretty for me. And so I knew, like, I had to, like, I had to make this thing happen. And so, like, I offered to move. I offered to give her money. I mean, whatever it took. And uh, I do, about <laughs> It's easier to talk when she's not here, but about a month or two into it, I just, I told her, I said, I'm going to marry you. She said, look, if, if we were to get married, that's way down the road, five months later. <laughs> so the reason I bring that up is that I was preaching two years ago in upstate New York and Brother Elliot was in the service. I hadn't met him in person before, but I saw him and I felt the Lord gave me a word. And I said, Brother Elliot, stand up. And I looked, there was a young lady not too far away from him. And I said, are you his wife? And she said, no. <laughs> Guess who's his wife now? Be careful. I'll tell you, I prophesy your wife today. Be careful. I mean, that anointing's on me. But uh, actually, that's the only time I was ever right about something like that. But, um, 
<laughs> but from then till he married her, it was maybe six months or so. So anyways, the Lord's doing it. My point with all of that is the Lord is doing a quick work. The rapture's coming. We don't have a lot of time to lose, okay? So if you, if you see someone, if you're single, okay, let's clarify. If you're single and you see someone, you're like, make this thing happen. Jesus is coming. Tomorrow's not guaranteed is the moral of the story. Amen. I want to be very, very clear. That's for the single folk in the room. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1. My Lord, you can tell the revival's wrapping up because I am loose-lipped up here today. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 1. And if you'd stand with me for the reading of God's word. And uh, <clears throat> I gave them verse 6. I'm actually going to go back and start reading in verse 5. And I do want to thank you for uh, having me with you all the last several weeks and the great things we've seen God do. And as I told you yesterday, I really feel from the Lord this is not, uh, this doesn't end with today's service. You are in a season of revival. And I fully expect here in the next few weeks, Pastor Buddy's going to text me and say, man, we've hit 100 that have been water baptized and uh, I'm just, it's, it's a good season to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I know, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Another translation says, and this is why I admonish you to stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Father, help me today to preach your word, to encourage your people, and I pray that it would be confirmed with signs, miracles, and wonders in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I saw a video not too long ago of a tent revival as we're getting ready to do these tent revivals along the southern border. Uh, I saw a video of a tent revival that we did back in 2020 in Nashville. And uh, I remember we set up a tent in a parking lot outside a Nissan Stadium where the Titans play. We didn't know if anybody was going to show up. And we had, we had great uh, outpouring. People came from every flavor of Christianity. And we all just kind of learned to worship the Lord together. You should it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But I remember I was watching this video. There was this word that was spoken under the tent that I had forgotten about. And the word simply said that the American church is about to see that the fire never died. We just needed to fan the flames a little bit. Now that was way back in 2020, which I know that sometimes we talk about that like it just happened yesterday, but it's actually been four years. Some of us need to get over it. But the word of the Lord was, we're going to see that the fire has not died. We just needed to fan the flames a little bit. And I'm thankful that I can stand here in the month of February of 2024 and tell you that what we have seen over the last four years is a resurgence and a revival of the Christian church in North America. We are seeing revival, and it gets to the point of what we've declared, that revival is not coming Revival is here. Pentecost is not on a comeback. Pentecost is back. The spirit of Pentecost, the power of Pentecost, the things that we know to be true. And so I'm thankful today that we can de definitively declare that we are in revival. We're not longing for something that's going to come. We're not talking about something that feels afar off, but we can declare even right here in Mechanicsville, we are in the middle of a move of God. I think he's worthy to be praised for that. 
And so as, a, as I was watching that video, I was encouraged. I was strengthened. I, was, I, I took time to stop and thank God for what he's done over these last four years and see revival breaking out everywhere. There was a, a prophecy that came, and he said, just like the northern lights have only uh, glistened in certain parts, you can only see them in certain regions. He said, I'm about to, in the natural, let you see the northern lights in places where they're normally not seen and in the spiritual realm. I'm going to cause revival to break out in places where you normally don't see revival. And so uh, revival is no longer just relegated to the south or relegated to this city or to that ministry, but we're seeing it take place all over the United States. We're seeing it in every denomination. We're seeing it amongst every culture group. We're seeing these moves of God take place everywhere, and it encourages me, but it keeps me on guard at the same time, specifically because of this word of admonishment from Paul to Timothy, where he said, I admonish you. I encourage you. You fan the flames of what you know to be true. I see the faith of your grandmother in you. I see the values of your of your grandmother and your mother in you and i'm i'm admonishing you i'm requiring of you that you fan into flames the faith that's on the inside of you i don't have a lot of hobbies um i don't i don't know how to fish i've never gone hunting in my life um i but the one thing i do like to do is i like to cook i like to grill and let, let me clarify before we start you know, start rumors about me. I'm not a baker, okay? I'm not going to make any but I like to grill. I like to, and specifically steaks. I would argue with you. Now, listen, this is a humble brag. I know we're supposed to have humility right here, but I'm not going to have it for a moment. I would, I would, lay, I, I would, well, we can't bet because we're, we're saved. But if we weren't saved, I'd bet you that I'm, I can make a better steak than your favorite steakhouse. And I'm willing to prove it to you. If you get Pastor Buddy to buy 700 fillets, I'll come and grill it. Get the man of God to buy 700 fillets, I'll come make it, and then you let me know. I love to grill. And so, I, and, and it's, it's something I started doing at some point, and it's my stress relief, and I never have enough people to cook for, and it's a good thing that God gave me a big family. Now that there's seven people in the house, and three of them are teenage boys, they eat for like three people each, so, you know, while the girls are over there with their, you know, little asparagus, they're putting away three steaks each. I'm thankful for them. I like to grill, and it, 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 and it doesn't matter how, you know, I, I've kind of graduated from you know, certain grill to this one and, you know, all these different, but whatever it, whatever it is, one of the things I've struggled with, now, you pit masters, you, you, you real grill masters, you, you laugh at me, but do it in private, okay? Um, one thing I struggled with was getting the fire started. I always struggled with getting the fire started, and I, I did all the different things. I would, you know, I would build, I'd, you know, when I used to use charcoal, I'd build it up into, like, the pyramid and then, you know, get that thing going and then knock it down, and then my fire would die, and then I graduated over to lump coal, and that had, and then, you know, I had the fancy torch. I got the long gloves, and, man, I'm, I'm cooking my arm before that lump coal is ever getting cooked on, you know, and then I started cooking on wood, and, and that had, it, it had its own difficulty, and so... The thing is, and so then I'm, you know, I'm pulling out cheats, and so I got the little cubes, and I got, I got timbleweed, or I don't know what it is, I think it's, it's legal, I think, I don't know, but got all this different stuff, and, uh, and then, you know, back when I used to use charcoal, I'd use the lighter fluid, and I'm always trying to get, and so what I learned was, once I finally got that fire going, once I finally got the thing hot, the next challenge was, I can't let the fire die. 
Because if it cools down, I'm never going to be able to cook what I'm trying to cook. So we have gotten this fire going. Revival has come back. But now what the church has to do is we have to keep the flame alive. You can't let the fire die. You, you can't let this thing cool down again because it takes a lot of work once the fire has died. It takes a lot of work to get the fire going again. And one thing I've learned is sometimes you got to empty the whole thing and start all over again. And I don't want to have to start all over over again. We have gone through about a 30-year period. I'm just going to preach it real in that. Listen, I'm going to give you stuff in this one. I'm not doing it in the 11 o'clock. So I'm going to be real in this one. We have gone through a 30-year period in the Christian church known as the seeker-sensitive movement where the gifts of the Spirit were relegated to your house and to the back room, and we took the power of Pentecost away from the altar. We didn't want to offend the visitors. We don't want to freak anybody out. We're going to make everything kosher, everything cool. And what we did was we let the fire die. And I'm thankful that after 30 years, I can boldly tell you that that movement has come to an end and Pentecost is back. We're not ashamed of speaking in tongues. We're not ashamed of the way we praise. We're not ashamed of the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. We're not ashamed of shouting and worshiping and running and leaping and the way we baptize and the way we pray and the way we live in consecration. We're, we're not ashamed of these things. In fact, we're living it out loudly and more boldly than ever because we have the answer to the world's problems. And I'm thankful that the fire is burning again, that revival is back again. But we that have been entrusted with God's church better be careful to not let the fire die again. Therefore, I submit that there are some elders in this church that until the second coming of Jesus Christ, your job is one job and one job only. You got to fan the flame. You got to keep the fire burning. You got to keep this thing hot. You got to make sure that your children know what a Pentecostal altar feels like. You got to make sure that your house knows what a prayer life looks like. You got to make sure that the Bible isn't just another book, but the direction of your I'm here to contend that you got to fan the flame. You got to fan the flame. You got to keep it going. I, I'll, I'll go out there and, and uh, so again, we don't care what season it is. I like grilling in the winter because I feel like more accomplished when it's zero out there, but I'm still cooking and I got it, whatever temperature I have it in the grill. But when it's cold out there, I have to spend more time with that grill. I got to be out there a little more. <sighs> keeping that thing hot so I can cook. I see everything going on. I have, don't you, I mean, haven't you ever asked yourself, why? Why these devils? In this season. Perversion's always been around. We've always had to deal with perversion. But this is like perversion on steroids. I have always, March the 3rd will be nine years since my father passed away. I think about that man every day. I miss him. I love him. And I, can, I remember standing in his, or sitting in his funeral. And I said, God, why'd you take my dad? I didn't get to say goodbye to him. I mean, just all these emotions that went with losing my father. And uh, now, now I know. If my dad was alive in 2024, my father would be in jail. <laughs> he wouldn't have put up with the junk. He wouldn't have put up with the mess. And he wouldn't have known how to sit still and be quiet. Right. 
He wouldn't have been able to do it. My son, I think, and I may have told you this a few weeks ago, but I live in the Bible Belt. I live over there in Tennessee, you know, where they, you know, they think they're like the, you know, like the graduate, you, you go from there right into the New Jerusalem. And I have, I, have a, I have a son who's in public school, and in his middle school, there are kitty litter boxes in the bathrooms of his school for the boys that don't identify as boys but identify as animals. If my father, see, that's not, some, listen, I'm not a conspiracy guy, okay, but a lot of conspiracy people have been proven true the last few years, okay? So I know that one sounds crazy, but I invite you to come see some of the schools where there's kitty litter boxers for the boys and the girls that identify as goats and cats. They call them, I don't know what they call them, furries or furbies. I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong name. If my father was alive, my daddy would be in jail. Because my father would have marched into that school, gone into that bathroom, and not just picked up the kitty litter box. He'd have left all the junk all over the floors. My dad would have, he wouldn't have allowed it to happen. My dad would have, my dad would be calling it out from the pulpit every Sunday. My dad wouldn't care what your political affiliation is or how you voted or if that, if my dad would be preaching the straight up truth. And what I'm contending for today is that why, why would these devils show up now? Why this generation of children? Why this generation of grand, grandchildren? And I would argue and contend with you, it's because the devil knows that they are the rapture generation. He knows that they are the last day church, and he's doing everything he can to quench this last day fire because he might be one of the greatest theologians that exists. He knows the word better than some Christians, and he knows that the word says, in the last day saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And even though he was defeated in Calvary, he's a sore loser that's still contending the results of Calvary, and he thinks that somehow in some way he's going to be able to squash out and quench this fire, but what he doesn't know is that there's a generation of us that we're just going to keep fanning the flame. We're not going to let we're not going to give our children over to perversion. We're not going to give our children over to these unruly spirits. We know too much. We've seen too much. We know the power of prayer, the power of the Holy Ghost, and we're just going to keep fanning the flame until another generation is set free and delivered by the power of God. So I argue with, uh, not argue with you, but I argue that we need to fan the flame. We got to keep this thing alive. The things that we know were true and right from our grandparents' generation and our parents' generation. I can still remember going to Columbia to visit my grandparents, and my grandfather would say, let me see your knees. He'd say, you don't pray enough. Now, they don't have, you know, they were raised extremely poor. They didn't have carpeting. They didn't have all the luxuries that we have. My grandfather had callous on his knees. Callous. And my favorite thing is he'd ask my dad, he'd say, let me see your knees. And he'd say, you don't pray enough either. I'm like, yeah, get him. Get him. <laughs> and I remember being at my grandfather's funeral 2001. He was 91, 92 years old. And I remember that we were at the funeral and one of, he had, a, he had 13 kids. One of my uncles was standing next to me, and he said, who will pray for us now? Because that man would wake up at 4 a.m. every day and pray for the family. You could actually feel. It felt uncovered in the spirit when he passed. There was a prayer covering. 
that all of us were living under. That we, some of us didn't, there was grandchildren and great-grandchildren didn't know that what protected them on their way to school is that they had a granddaddy that woke up at 4 a.m. and he, he's just fanning the flame. He's just fanning the flame of what he got from missionaries for what, what he had been taught. He was fanning the flame and I remember as we were walking, my one uncle said, who will pray for us now? And my other uncle, he said, I will, I will, I'll make sure. What, what was my uncle do when he's making sure? Just, I'm just going to fan the flame. I'm just going to keep that thing alive. When, when my father passed away, my dad, I just knew, I just knew that my, my, that my father was going to set the example for his grandchildren that when they would go visit grandma and grandpa, they would know what it was like the way I was raised, to wake up every morning and see that man at that kitchen table reading his Bible with a, with a cup of coffee praying, and you knew that by the time you got down to that kitchen, that man had already been with God. And so I was excited that my, that my kids would have that, those memories with their grandfather of coming down and seeing, and, 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 that, and, that, and, he would do, and I, I hoped he'd do to them like he'd do with me. Because I'd come home, I'd come down just trying, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get my lucky charms and just go watch Thundercats. But I, I come down and get the lucky charms. He's like, we're going to pray. And I just had this vision about, and then, and then the Lord took them home. And the question was, who's going to teach those kids to do that now? Who's going to instill a culture of prayer now? Who's going to instill a culture that you don't put anything on top of your Bible and you don't do it? Who, who's going to instill, who's going to instill a culture of the value of the word of God that fell on us. And I would say that I thank God for the Loises and the Eunices and the Elise Suarezes and the Rito Suarezes. I thank God for all of the rich heritage we have. But if all we do is live off of heritage but not bring it into today, our children are going to be in trouble of the fire dying. So I come and I ask you, fan the flame in the name of Jesus. Make sure there's prayer in your home. Make sure there's Bible reading in your home. Make sure that you're not just reading social media and not reading the word of God. Make sure that your children know the fire of God because this is the other thing I learned. If you're not careful, not only will the fire die, but if you use the wrong things, you'll build a fire you can never cook on. When I first started cooking, when I first started learning about all this, I was so impressed with lighter fluid. And I'm not an arsonist. Don't, like, no one, don't text anyone about me. But I just, I was just, I just thought it was so cool. You know, here, everybody's struggling, you know, build a fire, and I, and I get a flame. I can get a quick flame. But I quickly learned I can produce a quick flame, but you can't cook on it. It's got to get hot. I mean, so it's not just, it's not just that we got to, it's not just that we got to build a fire. We got to build the right thing. You can't just put anything in that grill. You can't just put any old wood in there. You can't just throw a bunch of paper in there, just a bunch of trash in there, because it'll affect what you're cooking. And there's a scripture that's really gotten to me, really convicted me recently. Out of 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 15. Uh, it's, it's talking about what, when the Lord spoke to King Saul. I don't have the exact scripture in front of me, but you'll just go home and find your Bible and read it, and you'll find that it's in there. God spoke to Saul, and he told him to kill everything. You don't, you don't let anything live. But Saul, who was commanded to kill the enemy, decided to let the king live. That king's name is King Agag. Never saw it till this 
about a few months ago. The literal translation of the name Agag is flame. Prophetically speaking, Saul let strange fire live. He was commanded to kill everything, but he let strange fire live. And when you fast forward to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 14, God says, I have this complaint against you. You have tolerated some stuff amongst you. You have tolerated strange fire. You have tolerated things that you know should not be in my body and in my house. We have, there are some agags amongst us. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about sin and religion and things that we know that, that aren't from God. And we have let those things live, things that should have died a long time ago. But, we, we, but we've been toying with strange fire. We need the true fire. Not this, not this strange fire. This strange fire of politics that has become the answer and the end all to everyone in the Christian church. I am telling you. If you believe, if you even believe that an ounce of me is a prophet of God, then hear me clearly. The Lord has said, the Lord has rebuked, the Lord has admonished the church. He said, you have put so much hope in the names of men and women that cannot heal you, cannot prosper you, cannot deliver you. You have put your hope in elephants and donkeys. But what about the lion, the lamb, and the dove? We have put so much hope in men and political mascots but the Bible says I lift mine eyes to the hill from whence cometh my help. This church cannot become the third political party of the United States. This church has to be the third great awakening of the United States. We got to cook on the right fire ladies and gentlemen. Politics won't save us. Politics won't prosper us. Politics won't bless us. But behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. We're not called to convince the entire nation to vote one way, but we are called to convince this nation that if they'll bend their knee and if they'll repent and turn away from their wicked ways, God will hear them from heaven and he'll bless the land. We need to burn the right fire. <laughs> Things that so doth so easily beset us as a people group these days. Racism, recessions, all these things have always been answered with a move of God. I can take you back to the earliest moment of the 20th, let's just focus on the last 124 years. I can show you the ugliest moments of our history as Americans and show you how revival fire came and solved an issue. Every time. And I can show you how revival fire should have kept burning. And someone should have kept fanning the flame. But they built another fire of denominationalism. Of their kingdoms. Of their politics. Of their preferences. And when they built these strange fires, they let this fire die. I'll, I'll tell you. That racism, God has dealt with this ugly demon called racism. He's, let, me, let me say it a different way. The Lord has tried to deal with this ugly demon called racism through his people more than once before. 
and we have gotten close, but we've let this King Agag call racism live amongst the church. We should have, we should have beat that devil a long time ago. I mean, we should have been done with this thing a long time ago. But we just kind of let it live as long as it wasn't too loud, as long as it wasn't too much in your face, but we should have killed it. Now we have the opportunity in our generation for our children to kill this false, fake flame once and for all and see it die. Recession and poverty, things that have always, I'm just going to, if I can be real in, I can be real in the nine o'clock service. Things that have always been associated with the Pentecostal church and should not be. We need to beat this thing once and for all and stop thinking that the message we preach is an excuse to be broke, to be poor, and to be insignificant. I'm telling you, if this is the only message that's going to save the world, then that's the very reason why God's going to prosper you in all things that you do. This is the reason why God's going to prosper your endeavors. The Lord's going to provide everything you need. But you say that and it sounds so foreign in so many Pentecostal churches because our grandparents came from the other side of the tracks. We were made fun of. We made, they made mockery of us. We were the whole rollers we were the we were we were the down and the destitute ladies and gentlemen we haven't been down and destitute in a long time we are blessed and highly favored we're the head and not the tail and it's time to start acting like we're royalty on this earth the ambassadors of Christ it's time to fan the right flame get rid of these these fight these flames of lies that keep bogging us down and making us feel insignificant and realize who we are our children are depending, are depending on what fire you're gonna fl- you're gonna fan. Everybody's everybody's fanning fanning flames, stirring up drama. Evangelist Ellie and I were talking in the car yesterday about some people. They just it's like their it's like their life's mission is to just start fires. Now I'm not talking about godly ones. They just want to start drama. It's like, just like stirring up trouble. You can't do anything with that. In fact, I'm so convicted about all the drama that we've stirred up because someone's salvation could be at stake with stirring up the wrong thing. And I'm saying that as a body of Christ, we have to be more spiritually mature and say, I'm not going to let those things get in my spirit. I'm not going to let those things affect my church family. I would argue that you ought to defend this house the way that you defend your house because this is where your family comes to receive the word that will lead them to heaven one day. And so I'd be defending that children's ministry, defending that youth ministry. I'd be defending this house like because this is where you come for salvation. Now I'm preaching a different sermon in 11 in case anybody gets nervous. But I see people stirring up strange fire, strange fire, strange religious fire. It's not going to take you to heaven, and it's not going to put you in hell, but you'll divide the body over a strange teaching, strange things to get more likes on the internet, to sound more spiritual than the others. Strange fires of issues in society that shouldn't be in the church. Why would we bring the world into the church and let the things that are happening out there affect this house? 
when this house is supposed to be affecting their house. It's all about what you're cooking on. It's all about what your purpose is. So the preacher, I don't, is this, I just, I just got a lot of stuff I see going wrong. There's a lot of stuff that's just got me worked up. Well, there's nothing wrong with a complaint. As long as you take it to the right department. In my house, no one touches that grill but me. And not because I'm some kind of like whatever. Well, yeah, I am. That's why no one else does. No. It's just my thing. If you come to the house and you don't like your steak, it'd be silly to take it to Cole. Cole, I don't, I don't like this steak. I didn't cook it. I didn't do anything. I mean, you got to take it to the one that cooked it for you so he can make it right. We have all these things that are affecting society today, but rather than take it to the one, I said the one, the only one that could solve the problem, we're taking it to everyone else. And what we're doing is we're stirring up strange fires that you can't cook on. You can divide the body over them. You could ruin Thanksgiving over, but you can't cook revival on it. There's, a gro there's two grocery stores there where we live in Johnson City. One's called Ingalls. The other one's called Food City. Now, you know, I grew up, you know, half Hispanic, half white. But Ingalls is spelled I-N-G-L-E-S. Now, sometimes my white side kicks in and sometimes my, my, Spanish, my, my Hispanic side kicks in. And I looked at that grocery store and I told Gene, I said, it's so funny to come to the South and see a grocery store named Ingles. <laughs> she goes, um, Tony, th th that says Ingles. I'm like, oh, okay, Ingles. I thought it was Ingles, which means English and Spanish. So Food City, when I'm home alone you know, I'm, and I'm making a cheap meal, you know, when I've made filet for 700 people I, and I can't afford it anymore, there's Food City has this bag of ravioli that's $2. You can cook that stuff in four minutes. And I'm telling you, that ravioli, it, whew, let me get my composure. I don't have anyone to catch me if I fall right now, if I get touched. But that ravioli is powerful. I mean, there's something in that ravioli. And I love it. And every now and then I'll go over there and buy a bag and just make it for me. Don't even share it. I'll wait till the kids are at school and I just make the bag for me. Jean is at the gym. She's like, are you going to work out? I'm like, no, I'm all right. I got some stuff to do here. What I have to do is eat this whole bowl of ravioli while you're working out. And the kids are at school. And I went to Food City to get my, uh, forgive me, uh, Food City, it's just a generic brand. It says Food City Cheese Ravioli. Well, I get up one day. I had that craving, and I let Gina go to the gym alone again. Like, it's all right. You just go. I, I got, it's too much here. I got, I got, I got, I got to get, I got to pray. I just got to get with God. Oh, I got to get with God. <laughs> so she left, kids left, and I went to Ingles, and I couldn't find my ravioli. And this lady comes over. I, I forgot what they call you over there, sugar or sweet, oh, sweetheart. Sweetheart, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm looking for the Food City cheese ravioli. She goes, baby, I don't think we have that. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I am a professional connoisseur of your cheese ravioli. And I'm telling you, it comes in a clear bag with blue, blue block font this big. It says Food City cheese ravioli. And it's always right here. And it's not here right now. I said, baby, I'm telling you, I don't think we have it. I said, 
have you never heard that the customer is always right? I mean, Chicago is just coming out of me right now. I mean, I'm about to stir up the Civil War all by myself right now. I'm about to get into the North and the South. And so manager comes over. He puts his arm around me. He says, young man, and he's probably younger than me. Young man, how can I help him? <laughs> Felt like Archie Bunker in the middle. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the, for the generic, the food city cheese ravioli. He said, you telling me, you, you've seen that here before? I said, man, I'm telling you, it's always right here, and it's, it's, it's got your name on it. It's set right here. It says, Food City Cheese Ravioli. And he put his arm around me again, and he said, sir, you're in Ingalls, not Food City. <laughs> Nothing wrong with my complaint. I was just in the wrong department. That's in the wrong store. I'm stirring up a fight, and I'm the one that was wrong. There's nothing wrong with some of the things that have us in a tizzy. But make sure you're talking to the right people in the right department. Make sure you're going to the one that can answer and solve and bring peace and bring hope. Otherwise, you're just starting a bunch of fires, strange fire that you can't do anything with. And as many people as are out there trying to divide the world, divide the country, and divide the body, we need some people that have the spirit of reconciliation, that have the love of God on the inside of them. And rather than add to the drama, they say, you know what, I don't need any more strange fires. I don't want the Lord to stand in front of me and say, you've been tolerating racism. You've been tolerating poverty. You've been tolerating hatred. I want the Lord to say, I saw you down there in the middle of division. I saw you in the middle of a wicked, corrupt society. But I saw you fanning the flames of revival. Well done, perfect servant. Stand with me today. So what does it have to do with the end of your visit here to Life Church over these four weeks? I hope this is received in the spirit in which I'm saying it. Sometimes revival has been relegated to a series of services or to a certain speaker that comes in. And if you do that, you're treating those services or that speaker like lighter fluid. But you can't cook on it. It creates a flame. But now. The word of the Lord to Life Church is you got to fan the flame. You got to keep this thing hot. You need, there needs to be a revival. And I'm not saying there isn't, okay? I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just saying what you need to maintain a culture and a lifestyle of prayer that, that fans the flame. A culture and a lifestyle of holiness that doesn't let any strange thing in that fans the flame. A culture and a style of praise and worship where we don't relegate the move of God just to a series of services. But any random time the people of God gather in this house, there could be a move of God. If you watch old videos, which I do, if you watch the old videos of the Pensacola outpouring back in the early 90s, and if you'd have told me that that service was going to be the precipice for one of the greatest outpourings of the move of God, the Holy Spirit, that the that humankind had ever seen just based on that service I'd have said no way it was a Father's Day service it was boring you watch the video there's no, there wasn't any but when God said now when that flame hit 
that thing didn't die. That thing went on for years and years and years. And to this day, there's an effect on the world because of what happened. You just never know when it might come. But you just got to keep the flame alive. So I contend today, stir up the gift. Fan the flame. And make sure you're fanning the right flame. Let's do away with all the politics that have come into the church. Uh, that preacher got up there and told me I shouldn't vote. I never said that. I never said that. I just said don't put your hope in November. Put your hope in the one that's here right now, the answering your prayer. I, ne I, I never said that the way they govern and rule the nation isn't important. It is absolutely important. But we're doing this backwards. We're doing this thing backwards. We think that if we can fix the White House, then the White House will fix our house. And when you give me the biblical precedent for that, I'll change my mind. But I don't see that's how God dealt with the nation. He started with Abraham. He, he started with an individual. And then he graduated to a marriage. And from a marriage, he graduated to a family. And from a family, he graduated to a people group that turned into an army that later turned into a nation. But he started with an individual. He got a man right, got the family right, got the people group right. Then he got the army right. Then he got the nation right. You want to fix America? Fan the flame in your house first. Get your house right. Get your house right. You can complain about every politician on television, but what are you tolerating in your house? Get your house right. Get your marriage right. Get your children right. Get your neighborhood right. Let's get Virginia right, and then we can take care of the other 49 states. I'm going to start with me. I'm going to start with me. I'm going to start with the things I can affect and make sure that I'm right. There's an old song, I know you guys hate it when I do it, but in that same key, forgive me, but it just, because I felt it, just kind of like start, someone fanned the flame, it just says, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with Thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for I haven't always done altar calls in the first service because I know there's another one coming in. But today, in this first service, I want to call those that feel the call of God to fan the flame of revival. The, fan, the, the flame of prayer, the flame of holiness. I want to call some of you to come forward with me in this altar and let's make a commitment today. We're not letting revival die with February the 10th, 2020. Is it the 10th? I don't even know what day it is. I, revival doesn't end today. I'm going to do my part to fan the flame. I know too much from my grandmother and, and, and my mother, and I, I've seen too, I'm not, I'm not going to let it die. This is, I, I got to keep the fire alive for my children. Let's sing one more time, Lord. And Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true.
of the word hatred. Someone just said, my God, Tony, all that's alive in your house. I'm not talking about my house. I'm talking about all of our houses. Strange fires that we just, we think it's happening in private, but your children know what's happening in your house. I am the way I am today because of Rito and Ann Suarez. What they, what I saw them live in my house. And I'm convicted right now and I just felt the Lord just kind of check me say make it practical make it pragmatic for people in the room because sometimes it's not just the big devils that we're aware of it's the little foxes says the lord it's just the little things that we've allowed to become commonplace apathy for the things of god no prayer life no bible reading and then our kids think that's just the way it is father i'm asking you for an old-fashioned baptism of conviction I fan the flame of conviction today. I say, oh God, help us to make sure we got the right things living in our home right now. Not just for us, but for our children and our children's children. That they would know the fire of prayer, the fire of conviction, the fire of Pentecost. That they would know the fire of holiness. I pray, Lord, for our homes. trumpet sounds you'll find us you'll find a remnant that was faithful until the end we didn't bow we didn't bend and most importantly we kept the fire alive oh Lord thank you for that last reminder and not only did we not keep it alive oh I felt that strong not only did we keep it alive we did not keep it just to ourselves 
because we have the answer that the world needs. We know what they need. They don't need another election. They need a prayer service. They don't need another man. They need God. They don't need another hope. They need to put their hope in the only one that can set them free. So, Father, I pray that I'd be a carrier of the fire. That people would recognize there's something different about us. And that when they ask, we'd share the fire with them. Because like that other old song says, Jesus is the answer. service, but whether it's immediately after, I don't know exactly when we're doing all the baptizing, but I just felt to call, is there anyone that says, preacher, I feel like I need to be baptized, if that's you, would you raise your hand, Pastor Rodney's going to talk to you, or we'll put you on a list, is there anyone over here, I'm looking, oh right here, God bless you sir, there's one right here, right in the middle, is there someone else, God bless you, is there someone else, hallelujah, there's at least one. Now, I won't make them sing one more song, but there's another old song that would tell you millions have come, but there's still room for one. And I'm thankful when it's just one. You say just one. Heaven throws a party for one. Heaven throws a party for one. I want to make another altar call this morning. sure that you could answer that in the affirmative I wouldn't play with your salvation I wouldn't play some of, some of you already know where you're going to lunch you know where you're watching the Super Bowl tonight you know what you're eating tonight you know you, you, you got all those plans 
But what if I were to ask you, if something happened tomorrow, is heaven your home? If you can't answer that in the affirmative, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And it's, you know how the, I hate to call it a process, but you know how this, all of this starts? By simply putting faith in Christ. Simply put, that's where it's, it's not where it ends, but it's where it starts. And then confessing your sins. Get right with God. And then getting water baptized. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, but it doesn't end there either. Because then you got to live a lifestyle of holiness. And a lifestyle of victory. And a lifestyle of blessing. And what happens is you keep walk, walk, walking. This, this ends all those arguments about how many steps does it take to be saved. It doesn't take a step. It takes a walk. You got to walk with God. But one day, the trumpet's going to sound. And you're going to stop walking because you're going to fly away to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. When you make altar call, when, when one makes an altar call, sometimes people get a little bashful or ashamed because they say, well, but my mom's in the service. I don't want her to think I was living wrong. Or I, my, you know, my friend is there. There is no shame in making sure you're right for heaven. This is, that's, one, that's one of those strange fires we got to let die. It's the fire of pride. Let it die. If you're here today and you're not sure if heaven's your home, I want to pray with you today. I'm not saying it's the last thing, but I'm saying it's one of the first things we need to do today. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Tony, I want to make sure that I'm on the right path to make sure that heaven's my home. When I count to three, I want you to join me right here in the front. I want to pray with you. One, two, three. Is there anyone that would come right now? Jesus is the answer. God bless you. For the world God bless you. Above him. Above him there's no other. There's more that need to come. I'm waiting on you. This is about salvation. Jesus is the answer. God bless you, young lady. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's no one, is there someone else? I'm waiting on you. Is there someone else that's coming? I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm waiting. No other. I'm fishing. I'm fishing just in case there's one more that needs to come. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the Is there anyone else? Are you coming, sir? God bless you. Aren't you glad we waited for one more? Aren't you glad we waited for one more? Hallelujah. Oh, God, I love you. He stirred up my faith because there might be one more that needs to come. I'm waiting. Is there one more? I'm waiting. If you're coming, wave at me so I know you're coming. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. Hallelujah. Is there someone else? 
Someone asked me one time, they said, why hasn't the Lord come back yet? I said, because he was waiting on you. If he'd have come back three months ago, you wouldn't have made it. I want you to know the Lord's waiting on someone else. Is there someone else that's coming? I'm waiting on you today. Hallelujah. If you're coming, let me know you're coming. Now, I'm going to pray with you all in just a moment. And you can repeat what I say, or you can pray in your own words, however you feel to do it. This is a big step in the right direction. And know, just know, that the difference between us and the world, we all walk through the same things. The difference is now you're going to walk through it with God. The Lord will be with you. The Lord will help you. Let me pray, before I pray with you, actually, let me pray over you. Because I feel it coming on me right now to pray over you. Father, I take authority over the spirit of condemnation that would creep up, crawl up, and try to intimidate these that have come to the altar. That would try to come to them in the stillness of the evening this week and say, but you were this and you did that and you'll never change and this can't change. I take authority over that spirit. I bind it. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I say that they're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I say that from this day forward, they'll live a lifestyle of victory, and all they'll know is victory. Victory over finances, victory over health, victory in their salvation, victory in their family. They'll no longer be known by what they did, but they'll be known by what you did on Calvary, Jesus. And I thank you that your hand is on them. I'm waiting just in case for those of you that have come this is a if you're not already a member here this is a great church Pastor Rodney and some of the elders of the church I'm, I know that if they don't already know you I know they're going to shake your hand and get to know you not to bug you but you need to know you don't have to do this life alone yeah. we'll walk we'll walk through things with you we'll pray with you you just, you just inherited a family, a family that'll stick with you. They won't abandon you. One of you, and don't raise your hand which one of you it is because I know it's private, but one of you has been abandoned, literally abandoned by family members and relatives. You feel like you have been left all alone in this life. That is no longer your history. Yes. You were but you have been found. You are the epitome of lost and found. And you need to know God has given you every resource you need with this new family here. So you're no longer abandoned. You're no longer forsaken. You have been found. I want to invite you to pray. Those of you that have come for this altar call to pray these words with me. I believe the hand of the Lord is going to work on you. It says, easy as saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. I repent of my sins. Today I declare, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, the Savior of my soul. And I will never be the same. And I'm going to walk with Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for working in me. Now, someone give them praise in this house.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you, man of God. I speak victory over you in every area and aspect of your life. I pray that these years are going to be the greatest years of your life. I pray recovery. I pray restitution and restitution. I pray that everything that belongs to you be returned to you, be restored to you, not just financially, not just materially, but spiritually and emotionally. And may you be known for the joy of the Lord that lives on. I stir up the flame of joy on the inside of you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Tears of sorrow will turn into tears of joy, woman, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. For thou hast not been forsaken, saith the Lord. I have kept you, I have preserved you, and I have brought you this far. And if I brought you this far, it's because I'll take you the rest of the way. So healing come upon you today. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The Lord would say to you, I know the plans I have for you. I know the dreams I have already envisioned for you. They're for good and not for harm. You're just at the beginning, but welcome at the beginning. You'll build a great foundation, and it will be said of you, this was an Abraham to his family. He started things off right, the right from the get-go, from the beginning. And because he blesses you, your Isaacs will be blessed, and your Jacobs will be blessed. And the Lord will remain with you, and he'll dwell with you, and he'll speak to you even in the evening and even in your dreams and even there are some things that the Lord maybe has already dealt with you about and you didn't know it was the Lord because it seemed too big for you. It seemed too crazy for you but the Lord would tell you now it was I challenging you to dream bigger, to see beyond who you are and where you've been because you have been able to do this and that on your own but now I am with you and if I'm with you there is nothing that can stand against you. I say the Lord is on your life, sir. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.